Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. I'm James Intricasso. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the tabletop RPG industry about their careers and the games they love to play. Today's guest is Shelly Mazanoble. Shelly is a longtime Wizards of the Coast employee working on Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, and Avalon Hill games. She is also an amazing author who wrote a little book that you might have heard of called Confessions of a Part-Time Sorceress. She also wrote the book Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Dungeons and Dragons. And she wrote a beloved column for a long time on the Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons website, Confessions of a Full-Time Wizard. My interview with Shelly is one of the most fun I've ever had on gamer to gamer so get ready for an awesome ride. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. It's really easy. You just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the banners for Amazon or the DMs Guild in any of the show notes this episode, any other episode. They're always there. They're very easy to find, click on, and then shop as you normally would. It helps support the show. It doesn't cost you anything but one click extra. So please do that whenever you go to Amazon or or the DMs Guild. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, NobleKnight.com, where out of print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products to them that you aren't using anymore. Our pick of the episode for Noble Knight is, of course, Confessions of a Part-Time Sorceress. You are going to hear all about this novel when we interview the writer in just a few moments, so stay tuned for that. It is a great, funny book. You will really, really enjoy it. It's available for $10 from Noble Knight at the time of this recording. Check it out at NobleKnight.com. Let's hear a quick word from them, and then it's on to the interview with Shelley. In an election year, gamers can be divided on almost every issue. Is it more important to support a small business or to have the convenience of buying your gaming products online? Do you play shiny new systems full of epic awesome or gritty older out-of-print games that make even the groggiest of nards quake with fear? In this economy, is it time to stock up on as many high-quality discounted gaming products as possible, or is it time to sell the old gaming products you aren't using anymore? We are divided on every important issue. So in 2016, you should support the store that lets you do it all. Noble Knight, a brick-and-mortar small business with a strong online presence that has new products and specializes in out-of-print, all at a price you'll love. And yes, they'll buy your old gaming products as well. Check out the incredible offerings at NobleKnight.com. Tell them the Tome Show sent you and help make gaming great again. All right, everybody, I am here with Shelly Mazanoble. She is a level 50 NPC. She could easily take down Tiamat. Shelly, thank you for being on Gamer to Gamer today. Are you kidding? Thank you for having me. This is such an honor. Oh, it is an honor to be interviewing you. This is super, super awesome. Uh, you have been working at Wizards for a while. You have written some awesome books. You wrote an awesome column for them for a long time. Uh, now you're on the podcast with Greg. We get to hear you every week. It's really, really cool. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, take me take me all the way back. When did you first lay hands on Dungeons & Dragons? We have to go really far back. Okay. Like really far back. And I, I I was just thinking the other day, my God, I've been working here for a really long time. (laughs) 
And you know you're old when you start working with people who have names like um, Kayla, for instance. Because <laughs> that's a really new name. I remember like people like babysitting for kids that were named Caitlin and being like, whoa, like, what's this Caitlin name? Where did that come from? And now I work with these people. <laughs> I mean, like I could have actually like given birth to some of my coworkers, but um, – <laughs> I, so it's been a, a long time and I can, I will tell you, I've, I've said, said this before, but I found the job for wizards in the newspaper. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. <laughs> it was in the classified section and I wrote, I typed up a resume on paper, put it in an envelope with a stamp and mailed it to <laughs> Wizards of the Coast. So it's been a while. Um, but I, I feel like I've worked on so many different things here that it's kind of like a new job ever, you know, I, I haven't done just one, one thing or worked on one brand. Mm -hmm. I started because, uh, I was hired to work on magic actually. Oh, I was wow. hired to do, um, promotions and it was just kind of at the peak of Pokemon when I started at Wizards. Gotcha, so, gotcha. You know, trading card games were all the rage and it was that's a totally new phenomenon to me. That's not something that I grew up playing. So I had to to really immerse myself in the whole world of magic and gotcha. trading card so games. So you hadn't played magic yet when you went to work at Wizards. No. And I didn't and truthfully I didn't know that much about it. I had maybe heard about it. Um and I didn't even really know that D D was part of Wizards. And the internet was just a baby. So, I mean, I didn't really, you know, kids these days, you don't know how lucky you are. You can find the answer to anything. Oh, totally. I actually had to like go to the Wizards of the Coast Game Center, which was really like an enormous arcade in a neighborhood of Seattle called the University District. And they had just regular, your typical arcade games, but also this is where people went to play Magic and play D&D. So I brought my friend, I have this interview with this company and I really need to find out more about them. So we went in and, you know, we had a ball, we were playing air hockey and pop a shot basketball and like, you know, just like the regular arcade games. And then we saw the staircase leading downstairs and there were these big velvety curtains surrounding it. And he was like, what's down there? Like, I don't know, but you know, I, so far Wizards of the Coast is pretty awesome. <laughs> So we peek behind the curtain, we start walking down the stairs, and th that is what I now realize. I saw people playing magic, but I had uh, no idea uh, what was happening. They were just lined up across from each other at these long tables, and it was kind of quiet, but still kind of buzzy in the atmosphere. And it was just like cars flipping and flipping and tapping and turning and <laughs> feeling. And like, what is happening here? And like, we realized, you know, then like, oh, oh no, the upstairs, that's not real, the real essence of wizards. This is the real essence of wizards. So we actually crouched there on the stairs, like a couple of kids on Christmas Eve and just like too scared to go all the way down. <laughs> we sat there watching and it was absolutely fascinating. And then I did a little bit more research about the game and went to game stores and talked to people. And so I felt somewhat prepared when I went in for my interview, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But after about maybe, six weeks on the job they my boss came up to me and he was like hey so you know it's the 25th anniversary of D, &D. now mind you D, D is now like what 41 so that's how long ago this was <laughs> D, D was only 25 could barely rent a car uh, and they're like yeah you know we're doing this big 
tour around the country and we need people to go to these various stops. How would you feel about going to like College Station, Texas? Uh, okay, I guess. Not, I don't, I know even less about D&D than I do about magic, but okay. Right, right. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was these really fun events that were in various game, game stores and bookstores. And we sent a, um, an author and a game designer to every stop. And basically people just played D and D and just talked to the, to these guys. And I got sent to college station. And I, I know, uh, Troy Denning mm-hmm. was the author that I went with and I can't, I, I went on two different stops and I, I can't remember Sean Reynolds was one of the designers. And I don't remember if he was in North Carolina or college station, but regardless, this was the first time that I saw D and D and I mean, I didn't know anything except for like the stereotypes that were in my mind about what D and D is. Like, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. That's not you know, great. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, and, I, and I'm embarrassed to say it now, but like, yeah, like, you know, the, I just thought like the nerdy kids in school mm-hmm. played D and D and talked in funny voices and wore costumes and hung out in their mom's basement. That's so it was like a part of the company that I, I didn't know. I didn't really know who any of those people were. I think I might've walked by their area once or twice and was kind of scared. But <laughs> so next thing I know I'm on tour with D and D and kind of bracing myself to see what's going to happen. But, um, was in this bookstore and there's just these completely normal people, mostly men, some women, and they were sitting around a table and they were talking and they were laughing. And I was like, when are they going to start playing? <laughs> <Come on. laughs> when are they going to bring out their swords and wear their costumes? And I was told very quickly that they're playing. Like, this is D&D. This is how you play the game. So I just, again, was too scared to get close, but I watched for a long time and, and overheard and just realized, oh, so it's just storytelling. Mm-hmm. And you just get to be these awesome characters that are a better version of yourself and you can pretty much do anything. All right. But it was still many years later before I actually got the nerve to play. Mm-hmm. And it was only because I got moved from magic over to the publishing team and that's D and D's team. Sure. I was actually working on novels at the time, but um, there was a bunch of new people that came to work on that team. And one of the established D and D members said, I think it's time to start a game. There's a bunch of new people. How do you guys all feel about playing? And I, I felt comfortable knowing that it was me and like five other new people. That was my um, my first time rolling up a character, which ended up being Astrid, who I wrote about in Confessions of a Part-Time Sorceress. And that was the game group that I played with. Although, gosh, I think only one of the people in that original game group is still at Wizards. Oh, I'm wow. still in touch with all of those people because I do feel a connection, a kindred spirit with these people. Cause we had so many awesome adventures together and we kind of just came into D and D together, you know, like we learned it together and got really attached to our characters together. So it's just, um, it's always, it'll, it will always hold a special place in my heart because of that. Well, and it sounds like, especially because we can sort of read about your adventures with that group, uh, yeah. that it was a real communal, like fun, looking forward to it every single week experience the the kind of D&D that when D&D is at its peak you know yeah. that's the kind of D&D we all aspire to play yeah yeah and that's it really is it was really i i mean i've always heard the stories now and i and i love the stories of hearing about how people discovered dungeons and dragons and what was that's 
partially why Greg and I always ask that question on, on our podcasts. You know, I love hearing that moment that somebody discovered this game and I wish that I had discovered it earlier. Just, you know, wondering, I often think, what would my life be like? <laughs> Instead of making fun of those kids that I thought were playing D&D, what if I played with them? Like, what, you know, what path would we, would I be on? Would it be different? I don't know. But, um, I, cause I do think that it has some, uh, the ability to really transform some of these kids' lives. You know, they, they form these friendships. They learn skills that maybe they wouldn't be learning in a traditional school sense. Like a lot of kids aren't good at math or they're not good at reading or they don't like being in front of a crowd or the center of attention or, the, you know, they're painfully shy. But when they discover D&D, they kind of can put all of that aside and often not even realize that they are learning those things. Yeah, I have to say the podcast that you did with the teacher, the the inner city school teacher, yeah, um, was like the most gripping audio experience I think <laughs> I've ever had. Uh, wow! Yeah, yeah, that was amazing to to hear what he is doing with D and D and the you skills sure? that he is teaching. Um, yeah, is amazing. Just yeah. amazing work. People are amazing. They're, I love that. You know, any kind of creativity that people will use in a, in a learning environment is fine by me. Like, you know, just understanding that people don't always learn in the same way, but mm -hmm. to use D and D in that, that sense, that just, that to me, that's just pure perfection. Knowing what I know about it now. Oh yeah. I love it. I love those stories. Yeah. Well, we will definitely link that podcast up in the show notes for, uh, for this episode. So if people awesome. want to go back Thank and you. listen to that, they should check it out. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, confessions of a full-time sorceress. So when did you get the idea that you wanted to write this novel? I just loved my whole experience of coming into it. Kind of, if we're talking stereotypes, I would be probably the exact opposite of the person <laughs> that you think would, would, in all honesty, would play D and D. And I loved the idea that like, Yes, like I have this side of me where I I was single at the time and living in my own place and you know tons of freedom and discretionary income and I loved I could go shopping I loved watching e news I loved hanging out with my girlfriends at the time Sex in the City was on and I knew that was my most favorite thing in the world so yeah I loved that side of me but I also loved that on Mondays at three o'clock I became an elf sorceress. And I could cast spells and I could fight bad guys. And occasionally I might even talk in an accent when I'm, you know, being my character. And I just loved, I, I loved the whole paradox of that. And it made me think there's lots of people out there like this. And, and um, I mean, certainly I'm, I'm not, I did not discover D&D for all of women. I know they're out there, but I really wanted to play up the idea of like, you know, being this ultra feminine type of, you know, girly girl who loves being a badass fighter in a D&D game. So it started with an essay that I crafted for an editor at the Seattle Times that I had worked with before. And I can't remember I had some little catchy name for it. I don't know. But it was only like 900 words. And she read it and she was like, um... Yeah, I have no idea. I don't, I really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 kind of needed maybe to expand on it, but I was talking to uh, the woman who was the head of publishing, Liz Shu, who's actually still the head of publishing and now she's also my boss. She said something like, Oh, you know, like that you could actually make a book out of all, you know, your experiences playing D&D. &D. And that was pretty much all she needed to say. I ran <laughs> off and started thinking, Could I do this? Could I make a book out of this? And 
wrote a basic outline and then kind of ran it by her. And then she said, talk to Bill Slavisek, who at the time was um, the head of, of D&D, R&D. Mm-hmm. And so I set up a meeting with him and we talked about it and he was like, yeah, go for it. Do it. Write the book. So holy cow, <laughs> that was kind of amazing. Um, but it, I did get to work with two fantastic editors on it. Um, Michelle Carter, who mm-hmm. will always know more about D&D than I could ever even dream of. And Nina Hess, who was working in our um, publishing department, editing the children's novels. Cause, oh, gotcha. Cause I need two, two editors. <laughs> 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 That's yeah. Um, poor Michelle was like, Oh my God, have you ever met a comma? Do you have any idea what these are for? <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> so Michelle was really there meant to do a lot of the, the gaming side of it. Like when I'm talking about the how to's, I'm making sure that I'm actually not just making up roles that aren't, don't exist. And Nina was kind of taking on the part about, you know, when I was talking more about me personally or about my gaming group and those kinds of things. Cause you know, Michelle was like, I don't know these pop culture <laughs> references. I don't know who these people are that you're talking about. So we, we had a nice little team working on it together and really they, they did above and beyond. And I would even say a bulk of the work. <laughs> it is not, it's not easy editing me. It's not, I admit that. <laughs> but that's why we have editors, right? Keep them on their toes. <laughs> well, I mean, the book, uh, in my memory, it was like a super popular bestseller, um, you know, that, that people loved. And uh, it was so interesting. I think especially at the time, certainly more females have come to the hobby, which is a great thing uh, because, you know, it's, it's always really in my mind for as long as I've been playing been meant for everybody. And the more people who play it, the more D and D we get. So that's not a bad thing, right? No, no. Um, and, uh, but, but I feel like, you know, at the time it was like, whoa, there's, a woman who wrote a whole book about playing yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. And that yeah. was shocking to people, you know? It was shocking. I don't know what I was expecting. Like, well, I'm just going to like, this book's just going to go out there. And then nobody's really, nobody will talk about it. Nobody's going to have an opinion about it. Uh, no. You know how the books get posted up on Amazon or Barnes & Noble earlier, you know, mm-hmm. in advance. And... It was probably like I don't know, six or nine months before the publication date, and I remember Scott Rouse coming up to me and he goes, "Dude, you're internet famous now." I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Somebody had found the listing for this book, and without really, there wasn't much information given, and there's like, nobody knew who the hell I was. Um, people were just speculating about it. It had like a pink cover and a D and D logo and a girl on the cover. And then the girl wrote it. And then like the um, cover copy was kind of flowery and they were like, no, no, no. no." Like at first people were like, what is this? What is wizards doing? Why would they do this? They're ruining D and D. Who is this girl? They thought, I remember just like spending an hour on, EN World forums before I was finally like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh. You guys. <laughs> take, take the book away. I don't want to do it. Somebody had unearthed my high school yearbook picture, which now I'll show it to anyone. I'm very proud of that. I had really like seven inches of bangs. I had a unibrow. I had 
a mock turtleneck and teal <laughs> eyeliner. I mean, I was rocking it in my era. Uh, that was the style. But <laughs> I don't want that on Ian World. And nope, there it was. And like people didn't realize that it was an old picture. So they're like, hmm, she doesn't really look like she's hip enough to write a book about anything. <laughs> oh my God. You guys are 16. <laughs> right, right. And and as if that were a quali- the way you look is the qualification for what makes you a good author. Honestly, I think that was like all they had to go on. My name <laughs> and the high school yearbook picture. And people were like, Mazinoble, that sounds suspiciously like Menzel Baranzin. What What's going on here? Is this... It's Wizards has created a, a fake author. I mean, that's not a real name. That's no way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, the internet. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. And like, you know, and truthfully, I, I totally get where people were coming from. It was, the book was met with, people were happy to see it. There was a positive reception on one hand. You know, a lot of men were like, good, I can, you know, give this book to my girlfriend or my mother or my sister, just so they understand what I'm doing and why I love this game. And then on the other hand, there were people that were like, false representation. Like, this is not women who play D&D. Like, why just, you know, like, and a lot of women had that initial reaction. Like, she's not me. I can't relate to her. So, you know, no. Like, But what I like to think happened mm-hmm. is that those, those, and it's true, I don't represent all women. And I know that there's a, I really played up the stereotypes of me to try to like, you know, hammer that point cross that like anybody including somebody like me this mm-hmm. ultra girly feminine type of woman can love this game that the women who were somewhere in the middle you know admittedly like you know i'm not i don't watch e-news i don't know any of reality tv shows i've never picked up an us weekly and, and i could give a shit what my shoes look like <laughs> but um i feel like even just having them speak out against the book was a really good thing because all of a sudden, like, all of these women were like, Mm-mm, no, this is me. I'm a gamer. This is what a gamer looks like. Like, yes, right on, women. Like, it's everybody should write a book about their experiences. It takes all kinds of women. And there's, I've met wonderful, amazing women along the way that you would think we have nothing in common on paper, but we do. We have this game in common. We have this love of this game. And it's, it's an icebreaker and it's it's just opened up the door to a lot of friendships that I don't feel like I I would have been able to make otherwise. Totally. And I don't think, you know, I think you never claimed to speak for all women who play D&D, which was, uh, but I can see why, because the book got such attention that people were thinking like, oh, well, this is, you know, this woman speaks for all of us or saying that um, because that's what the internet was saying. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? It's it's kind of, Greg Tito and I actually were just talking about this kind of same thing. You remember if you really liked a band Nobody knew who they were. It was like you and like 10 other locals that always came to their shows. And like, they were like your band. You loved this band. They were, mm-hmm. they were, they're awesome. You would buy every CD of theirs. You wore their t-shirt. And then all of a sudden they get really <laughs> popular. Greg was like, I'm really happy for them. I would be so thrilled. Like you're a weirdo. Like to me instantly, I want to hate them. And I'm angry at all the fans that have discovered them. Where were you 10 years ago? I feel possessive of them. Like, I just want to be angry at everyone. So in a way, I feel like people have that feeling towards D&D. They're very protective of it. This is their hobby. They were there first. And all of a sudden, this, like, 
pink confetti comes flying out <laughs> and it's just glitter and reality TV. And it's like, Hey, I played D and D too, you guys. And I can totally thinking about it that way. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I would have hated me too. Not that they hated me, but you know, like I would have, well, actually some of them did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can, I absolutely can see where they're coming from, but you can't really write a book for everybody. You know, they, they were always in my mind writing it, but I had to, you know, be truthful to like who I am. I can't pretend to be somebody else. But my my intention was always to give a nod to those women that already were here in the hobby and to all of the women that were either scared or or didn't know about the game or, you know, welcoming them into it, just making sure that they they felt like this is there's a place for them too at the table so to speak. Of course. And I think you're, you know, you're absolutely right to do that. And I, that's one of the things I love about the book is that I think it's, it's a very open and honest representation of the last person you might think would play and enjoy a game of Dungeons and Dragons is playing and enjoying the game. And so it really is a representation of like this game can be for everybody, yeah. Um, which is great, you know, and and that's the 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 lovely thing about that. And it is lovely, of course, when when other women are coming forward, like you said, to show like, see, there already are women playing this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely. And then you know, I think one one of the things that shows it was a very popular book was it continued on uh, for a long time. It was a column on the Wizards website. Yes. And that was amazing because I felt like, you know, it was a continuation kind of of your story. And we got to hear tales of your working at Wizards and, you know, uh, certain like like the R&D guy characters who would come in and, you know, would ruin your life by creating new rules and that kind of thing. <laughs> and, yep. um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really, really fun to, to read all that and read about, you know, uh, some very sort of intimate moments within your life too, about you, uh, you know, planning big life events and, and dating and weddings and things like that, or all sort of mixed into this very funny column. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, what was writing that like? I loved doing that. I liked that I was offered an opportunity to write about D&D that didn't have to talk about rules, mm -hmm. that didn't have to be <laughs> you know, serious. And I, I think D&D is funny. I mm -hmm. think it's really, really funny. I've always thought D&D has a sense of humor. And I think that it's good to take it seriously, um, you know, to be respectful of your, your game and, and your group and all that. But at its core, we are, you know, role-playing. We're role-playing elves and wizards and we're just with our friends and so many funny things happen when you're in that environment. That's what I just wanted to be able to capitalize on. But there's a, a real social element here and it's not, it's not just crunch and rules and look up that rule in your book and you look up that one and make sure, you know, you're calculating this correctly because it's, it's just not, that's not how it, it, it has been for me. Um, I don't, Mostly because I just don't play with people that are like that. It's, it's fine if, if that's you know if that's your your jam, that's cool. But <laughs> it was never like that with anyone that that I played with. So I just really liked the idea of being able to highlight different aspects of it. And I'm just and I like talking about people. I like talking about with their permission, of course, or I change their name. My friends about my life, about you know just ways that you can tie in everyday things to to Dungeons and Dragons. Because, you know, when any time reality and fantasy mix, it's, 
that's my jam. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that's one of the things that is so great about that. Uh, I feel like I can't let this podcast go by without talking to you about your dancing bear familiar. Oh my God. Okay, la fez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you come up with this idea? Like that to me was just like that. That to me is D and D a player yeah. coming to a DM and saying, my familiar is going to be a dancing bear. Um, you know, that, that is like the most of all the experiences I've seen written about and everything. I feel like that more encapsulates the table than epic adventure and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so what was it like coming up with that? So, well, I think that that really speaks to a really good dungeon master too, mm-hmm. that he was like, Oh, fine. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk to him. So the, <laughs> he was always like under, the, he said, you can have your dancing bear, but I'm not going to talk to him. I'm just, I'm not, he can't talk to me. So if Oso ever wanted something to happen, it had to go through Tabitha. But, uh, and even some of the members of my group were like, yeah, we like that. We're not going to talk to him either. So oh. like, like, towards like the end of Oso's career, I was like, oh my God, I don't even know if he's real or if he's a missionary or like, is Tabitha crazy? Like, what have you guys done to me? But there were a couple of people that were like, Oso forever. Uh-uh, he's our, he's our bear. We love him. We see him. We talk to him. But Quite a few people tried to resist the charms of him. But Chris Youngs was our dungeon master at the time, and he was the first dungeon master that I had that really encouraged uh, role-playing. Mm-hmm. And he, the way he did it was you know, he asked us before we started playing to create a backstory and to come up with a way that we were tied to at least one other character in the game. With, and you didn't have to tell the other character that... You know, you just wrote your own way of being connected. And so I, I, you know, started doing that and then started, really got into it. Like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like I'm, you know, digging in, finding out ways that I'm connected to this person by this thing and this thing happened. And like, we all just ended up with all of these really funny past experiences and tying like how our, our party actually came together. We had a big story around that. So the whole game was really rooted in story. So when Oso came to be he was it was kind of kind of easy for me just to give him his own little story and I immediately just pictured him a bear and a fez on a little unicycle so he got and it kind of worked with because Tabitha was an animal rights activist and she was you know brought up by these fur traders she always hated her family because of that and you know tried to save the animals in the middle of the night so of course she would rescue Oso de la Fez from a an abusive situation in a circus and he was always very uh, grateful to her and decided that he would just, you know, follow her around and become her, her minion, her go-to, her right-hand man, right-hand bear. (laughs) But that's, it's such a great story that, you know, that, that whole thing. And the fact that, you know, you could play it like, Oh my God, am I going crazy? Is this bear real? Is it not? And have this great backstory for a, you know, a bear on a unicycle um, is, is amazing. Speaks volumes about your own ability to tell a great story. You have talked a lot about uh, on, on the podcast and in your columns and stuff about how you would never want to be a dungeon master. Um, And I'm wondering why that is, because I feel like you have such a good knack for storytelling that you would be an amazing dungeon master. You are too kind. You are too kind. Are you a dungeon master? I am. I am. Yeah. 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 You know how much work goes into being a dungeon master. (laughs) 
Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. So, but couldn't, you could run, you know, you could run Curse of Strahd. You could run uh, uh, something pre-written, maybe. I think, you know, if there were new players, I would be more inclined. But my very first experience was such an epic fail that I'm still kind of scarred by that. But then I did run games for just uh, people who had never played before. And because they didn't know the rules, I could kind of fudge things and kind of make things up. So I thought, you know, maybe I could try it again as long as you know people aren't going to call me out for not knowing every single rule. That was my big fear. If I don't know the game well enough, then I'm going to break it and everybody's going to hate me because they had a terrible time or I'm going to give people a bad first impression of this game and that's the last thing that I want to do. It's just, it was so much pressure. It still is. I just, I can't. (laughs) It's funny because I have, I've been a dungeon master for so long and I'm in one of those groups where it's kind of like, if I want to play, I need to be the dungeon master because no one else will do it. Yeah. That's how it is a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it is now when I play, I, I have such a feeling that I'm not in control anymore that it, it's very unsettling to me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was yeah. going to ask you what it's like to be a player after DMing so long. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, I want to make up my own rules and, and do things, and I can't do that when you're not, you know, you can't, when you're not the dungeon master, it's not as okay to fudge a dice roll or, or that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, DMs frown upon that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but it is, I mean, I, I love it. I love, uh, being able to world build and, and tell stories and, uh, you know, and just get together with some friends and, and have a great time, uh, doing that. Uh, I have, you know, I have a theatrical film sort of background. So, um, so oh. that's why I love it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So are you, what do you run for your player? Do you run any like published adventures or do you write your own? Uh, so I write my own. Yeah, I run a, I run homebrew stuff, um, and I have a you know a homebrew world uh, that I've sort of been working on for a while, and and that kind of thing. So and it's great because uh, the you know the reward is that they start to learn some stuff and pick things up, uh, which is kind of for them to recite something like, oh yeah, that's that's this god or that's this capital. Oh yeah, it's that's like, cool. <laughs> that was I'm me who wrote that. <laughs> so have you? Are you have you or will you or consider doing anything for the DMs Guild? Uh, so I have, yeah. I actually um, because there was a while where uh, there was no OGL SRD. Um, I have uh, seven products that are up there right now because oh my god, that's so cool! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's great, and it's a thank you for the DMs Guild. By the way, that's that's been amazing, and it's been amazing to work with you know some of the Wizards IP and Forgotten Realms and yeah, have a yeah, place to great. do that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I had published, uh, you know, uh, stuff on my blog just for free sort of ideas. Hey, here's some magic items. Here's some, you know, what, what does the community think of this? And I got a lot of feedback and people play testing and that kind of stuff. And, uh, so when the DMs guild dropped, I thought, oh, I have all this stuff that I've been working on. So I pulled it off of my site and I, you know, put it in a PDF and got some public domain art and uh, threw it up there. Um, oh my God. That's so cool. I yeah. Love yeah. It's been great. It's been great. So I've had some, uh, I have two products actually in the top 20 right now, which is uh, really exciting. Yeah, well, yeah. Check them out right after this. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, back to you, uh, cause that's, oh. that's who this interview should really be about. Um, <laughs> you know, during your time at Wizards, I think it's fair to say that you've also had some major life changes. Uh, yeah. 
uh, like possibly because you worked at Wizards, you now have this whole family, right? That's actually true. Yes, because of Wizards, yeah. I met my husband here. Yeah, yeah. So you met Art, and now you guys have a, a kid. Um, we do. <laughs> Holy terror of a child! No, he's awesome. He's two and a half. His name is Quinn. Um, he is already showing signs of. Loving superheroes, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and dragons. Nice. Which makes me think that there is some DNA going, like, this is, it's got to be part of your DNA. Oh, well, yeah. and the fact that Bart has that stuff all over the place. But um, for years, even before we decided to have a kid or even talked about kids, Bart started ordering G.I. Joe action figures um, and Star Wars action figures from eBay. And he's <laughs> like, well, just in case. And then they would just, live in the garage and now our garage is filled <laughs> with bins and bins and bins of action figures just you know for one day <laughs> Bart wants him to have the same toys that he had growing up it's all very sweet it's very cute that is. Um, but and it's funny because Quinn is already starting to express interest in this stuff there's like I don't know what it's called I call it like the G.I. Joe dollhouse but apparently that's insulting to a man <laughs> to call his action figures dolls and to call um, where the action figures live and work a house it's the headquarters G.I. Joe headquarters and uh, Quinn loves to play with that thing but it's like Daniel Tiger and Paw Patrol live <laughs> in the headquarters but he's working on it he's working on it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very cute. He asked to um, the other day. He asked to watch uh, cartoons about dragons, so that was very promising for us. It's really really sweet. I, I wonder if in his teenage years he's going to rebel by like playing football or oh my God. you know. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so you, while you were at Wizards, right, um, you also published another book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Dungeons and Dragons, One Woman's Quest to Trade Self-Help for Elf Help. Uh, I love the long titles. <laughs> There's, you just can't put enough words in a title. <laughs> Helps round out that word count, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, talk to me a little bit about this book. This book is pretty awesome as well. It's more of the, uh, the self-help genre. Yes. Um, there, the goal with this book was really to try to, to unearth this magical power that D&D had, kind of like what I was talking about earlier with, um, you know, the people who discovered D&D at a young age and how D&D has been, you know, wrapped around their, their formative years. And they, they always, they credit it with like some of the best summers of their lives and why they're still friends with the same people that they're friends with. I didn't, I didn't have that. And I was really desperately trying to recapture some of that, but I also wanted to just dig into the, why, why is D&D, what, you know, how does it have such an influence on people and, and such a positive impression? And so I wanted to try to explore different facets of D&D tenets and apply them to my own real world life. And, and what would that look like? So that was really what the, the inspiration for the book ended up being. And uh, Nina Hess, who was one of the editors on the first book, she was the editor on this. So her and I, you know, worked together a lot to try to really hone in on, on these ideas. And I don't know. I mean, I do feel like D&D can actually make you a better person. 
after my uh, informal research there. <laughs> uh, I certainly agree. So uh, yep. I think it's it's helped a lot of people. And well, it- when did you learn? When did you start playing? Oh man, I was ten years old. Um, so you have one of those stories. That I, <laughs> I do. I have a I have a very typical story. Um, my older brother and his friends were playing in the basement, and uh, I begged the them basement. to let me the join. Was really in the basement. Yes, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, and I and I begged them to let me join, and uh, and they did. You know, and and they taught me the game, and then I got my friends together when they got tired of me, and I taught them how to play and everything. So, and I've haven't stopped since so it's been really really cool and it's been great you know the rise of the internet and services like fantasy grounds and roll 20 yeah. yep. um uh have allowed me to keep in touch with those same friends and and keep really? playing games and stuff yeah are you yeah. still playing with them uh yeah with some of them with some of them so um that. you know there's some new people who have rotated in and stuff but yeah it's it's amazing uh and it's great because there are definitely people who I have met through the game and going to conventions and at stores and that I never would have met otherwise who are amazing people as yeah, well. Yeah, see, D&D players, and I think gamers in general, I think they're just nice people. They're totally. good people. Totally, totally. So now, you, you know, um, certainly you have not slowed down doing stuff for Wizards of the Coast. Uh, what do you have going on now? Uh, let's talk about the podcast a little bit and, and other stuff that you're doing at Wizards. Yes. So um, Greg Tito and I co-host the D&D podcast. Um, Trevor Kidd also is one of the hosts, although he tends to you know, be busy sometimes. So <laughs> we don't get to have him on as often. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been really fun. I think that Greg joining us has been great. It, the podcast for a while was you know, kind of in flux. And mm-hmm. I think Greg's really helped to you know, focus us. He's just getting some really great guests in and it's just, it's great to, to be able to talk to all of these different people who have completely you know different lives than we have and see how D and D has influenced them and how they're still using D and D. Like you mentioned the teachers mm-hmm. and um, you know, we had, one of my other favorite podcasts was getting to talk to one of the, the a girl scout troop leader oh, yeah, and how he, awesome. he had, yeah, he created a, a role-playing badge for these girls and they got to play D and absolutely loved it. So I think he's also doing a great service for the young women of today and tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the podcast has just been, it's been great. I'm, I, I love doing it. Greg and I are good friends. So it's always fun just to kind of hang out and talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he did this podcast with us as well. And he, he is an amazing yeah, person. He told me terrible things about you. Well, they're all true. So <laughs> I, I really put him through the ringer. <laughs> I was like, who's this guy who comes from video games? And then okay. I, you know, I dug in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've been a Wizards for a while. Are you still uh, playing like a game of D&D with people in the office? So here's the th- my new change, new-ish, um, as of the fall of last year, I moved over to focus on our Avalon Hill board games. Mm. I'm still part of the D&D team, though. Avalon Hill is falling under D&D. And, um, and I also manage the uh, D&D board games as well. Oh, nice. But my primary focus is on Avalon Hill. So I've been playing a lot of those games. And a lot of them I played before, like Betrayal at House on the Hill and Robo Rally. But, um, yeah, I've been really digging into that catalog and having 
so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. I have um, heard such good things about Betrayal. Uh, have you not played Betrayal yet? I am playing it this weekend. So. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You have to tell me how you liked it. <laughs> I will, I will. So I'm very excited. It sounds like uh, my kind of game. Uh, it is. To, honestly, even if this was not a game that we published, I would have to say this is one of the best board games, I think, of all time. It is completely unique. It's scary and hysterical because you're often just in just a crazy scenarios and i just and i just i love the whole premise of the game it's just, it's so unique so i hope i hope you have a good time playing it totally totally and tell the people out there what it's about i guess what we would kind of call a semi-cooperative board game you start off as adventurers similar to dungeons and dragons you wind up in this creepy old house and you actually build the house as you go along there's uh, different tiles that you lay down before you so chances are very good every time you play you're playing a different house the house will never be the same house twice and um you pick up items along the way uh, if certain events happen depending on which rooms you're in. And um, at some point in the game, some, something happens. We call it the, the, the haunt triggers is what it's called. And somebody becomes the traitor. And all of a sudden you're not playing as a group. And you're not <laughs> a friendly group of adventurers anymore. Somebody's coming after you. Uh, and then it's just, it, there's 50 different scenarios that you could be playing through. So you, there, the replayability is enormous. You can just continuously play this game and always have a new experience. And so you never really know what story you're going to end up with. But um, and you never, sometimes you don't know who the traitor is, you know, or gonna, you don't know who the traitor is going to be before it happens. And uh, it's just to me, it's just it's so much fun. It's fun to be the traitor. It's fun to be the adventurers. You know, trying to run for your lives. And the ha- it's actually it really is scary. It's like there's a lot of creepiness that happens in this game. It's awesome. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I really, really can't wait. (laughs) Uh, And what else are you playing these days? Well, this is kind of painful to talk about, but (laughs) have you ever played Diplomacy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's like, uh, people are hardcore about that game. (laughs) So I have always heard Diplomacy, friendships have broken apart because of this. I'm like, all right, I played that game once and I never spoke to my best friend of 30 years ever since. Like, we're still not talking to each other because of diplomacy. I'm like, what? Are you guys kidding? It's a game. How can that be? So a bunch of us on the team, on the D&D team, played, or some of them are still playing. Some of us are no longer playing. Oh, but, no. <laughs> uh, I was completely floored the very first turn that happened. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys lied to me? Wait, you're lying? Wait, you're against me? Wait, you guys are working together? What? What's happening? I'm like, the very first turn. I love D&D because it's not competitive, because I'm working together with people. I love that. Diplomacy is totally the opposite. So I was playing Russia. I even went and bought a fuzzy hat so I could cosplay my character. And (laughs) twice a week. We would all like meet up in this, you know, little meeting area in our group, and we would stare at the board while Chris Dupuy was like reading the orders, and I would just watch terrible things happen to Russia. And like <laughs> every single time, I would just look at these people and go, I-, "I don't, I can't, 
nobody, I can't trust any of you. You, you are all working against me. <laughs> I thought I had, I mean, it's my fault. I'm such a sucker, but I fell for things. And then I finally like got this really good alliance and Greg Tito was in my alliance and our boss and another guy who's like the nicest guy in the world. So like, I trust, I actually trusted these people to help me and they mm-hmm. did, but they it had, I aligned with them too late and it was, I was, I was, it was over for Russia. Like I finally, I was taken down by Turkey. And, oh, geez. And I have to say like, I'm really mad at that guy. I'm so really <laughs> mad at him. <laughs> We kind of don't have a good relationship right now. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> All in good fun. But I let's tell you, I can I can see why people get so angry. Mm-hmm. It is a dirty double crossing yet pretty awesome game. <laughs> you just have to go into it knowing like you it's you know what it kinda of, I do like watching reality T V shows. Oh sure. And it kind of reminds me of um, Big Brother. Have you ever watched Big Brother? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah I actually had a friend uh, on this past season. So Who? Um, uh, I did plays in high school with Meg Malley. Um, oh my god! So and her father is actually the mayor of my hometown, uh, where I grew up. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. My parents used to go to his Christmas party and everything. <laughs> oh my god! Well, she was awesome. I actually really liked her. Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> um, so you know, like, like this is. I'd love watching the show because I love that part of like just watching people like align and then watching how they like save themselves and like do anything they can to not be eliminated and all that. So this diplomacy really, it reminded me of like, this is what it would be like if I was on big brother. And obviously I'd be the first one evicted because (laughs) I can't trust anybody or I trust too much or, and I, I never, I didn't even backstab anyone. I was, like once I inadvertently backstabbed someone and everyone was like, whoa, oh my God, that's like the most crazy strategic move ever. Well done, Shelly. I'm like, I didn't mean to move my guy there. <laughs> but okay. I'm let you guys pretend I'm a strategic mastermind. Right. Well, that's what brought them against you. They were like, Maybe. oh no, we need to stop her. She's too. <laughs> I inadvertently brought my own doom. Right, right. <laughs> so that was a bummer. But yeah, so those guys. Russia, oh, actually, so Russia is gone, done, taken over by Turkey, but it was discovered that somebody read a rule incorrectly, and technically I should have still had uh, uh, my army in Warsaw. Oh. So I could have, like, I mean, I wouldn't, I wasn't going to, like, rise completely from the ashes, <laughs> but I could have had, like, one more turn. That's right. That's right. And so I, I told them, like, fine, you guys, as long as you know, this game will now be played with an asterisk next to it because you're all a bunch of cheaters. <laughs> That's oh. great. You should listen to uh, – There's This American Life did a story on diplomacy um, where they sent a, a guy with it – like a guy who played a bunch with an actual diplomat um, to one of the games. Uh, really? And it was really, really fascinating the way they broke it down. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's been in the news a lot lately because a lot of researchers are, have been, have done studies about what people actually do as they're betraying someone. Like what are the tells? And they use the game to, to discover these, these different traits that happen in people. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very popular. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like one of those weird college experiments where they make people yeah. prisoners and 
guards and stuff and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fascinating. It's a, it's a really, it's a really good game, but I mean, it's just, you really got to go into it with the right attitude. <laughs> Why? Well, well, friends anymore. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you have going on. Is there anything that you want to plug or talk about that we haven't talked about, um, you know, upcoming from you or from wizards or both? So, um, well, wizards, uh, D and D is obviously doing a lot of really cool things. I'm glad that you're involved in the DMs guild. I had nothing to do with the DMs guild (laughs) except for like applauding the team that did it. Um, but I think it's phenomenal. I think it's, it's, uh, just a great tool for the community. And it's, you know, long overdue that people have a platform in which they get to express and share their adventures with each other. Mm -hmm. Love it. So, um, yeah. And, there is some great things happening with Avalon Hill that haven't been announced yet, but I'm really, really excited about um, all of them. And one in particular is just like the best thing that's I've ever gotten to work on at Wizards. I'm so excited about oh, it. Nice. So yes, yeah, so we will hear about that soon. Um, and then, you know, of course I'm sure that your listeners are all fans of the bachelor. Oh, <laughs> you know they are. And of course, you know, I, I have been, writing a weekly recap of the mm-hmm. bachelor for a website called in the powder room, which is a great site. Oh, nice. And um, it's not just a recap though. It's all, you know, life lessons that you can teach your children just from watching these um, yahoos that are, you know, actually thinking they're falling in love on, on national TV. <laughs> they're just ripe with life lessons. So um, I, by all means, if you have children, <laughs> you need to read the column because it's going to save your children from actually appearing on reality TV shows one day. <laughs> which is, I mean, that's an important uh, pursuit, I imagine. <laughs> Unless it's Big Brother, which is a quality reality TV Right, show. right. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Mr. Mr. Maley, we want to make yeah. sure that he, he gets you, the message. You can get a half a million dollars. That's, that's no, uh, I, I would take that over a husband. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> that's Uh, Well, it's funny you bring that up um, because – so this is a weird tangent, but Griffin McElroy, who you guys interviewed on your podcast, so he and his wife, Rachel, do a podcast called Rose Buddies that is a Bachelor recap podcast. um, Oh, why didn't I know this about him? (laughs) (laughs) I think they just started with this this latest season of The Bachelor, so – um, oh wow! Yeah, All right. Well, yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Back to my desk. <laughs> Headphones on. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, you know, before we go, Shelly, uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to follow you on Twitter and all that good stuff? I would love that. You can find me. Um, I'm at Shelly Moo, S-H-E-L-L-Y-M-O-O on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have a little writer page on Facebook that you're welcome to like. Um, and I have a website, which is my name, ShellyMazinoble.com. That's awesome. So we will link that and we'll certainly link everything else you talked about um, in the show notes for this episode over at thetomeshow.com so people can check it out and follow you and get more Shelly goodness. That would be amazing. You are too good to me. <laughs> you are so nice. Uh, well, I loved having you here. Like I said, that's, this is something I've wanted, an interview I've wanted to do for a while. So uh, I'm really, really glad that you were able to come on. I gotta ask. I mean, really. Just, I know. Who knows it was so around. easy? In <laughs> 
<laughs> Anytime. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on Gamer to Gamer today, Shelly. This oh, was a thank real pleasure. You. Oh, it's been great. And have so much fun playing Betrayal this weekend. I want to hear how it goes. Yes. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know. All right, everybody. And before we go, we also have a DMs Guild pick of the episode. And this week's is a really good one. Oddities and Odysseys, the Dread Tailor from Kerry Jordan, is an amazing pay-what-you-want adventure. A new threat preys on a local trade route, rumored to have ties to the legendary undead wizards of Vecna and Acerac, Jeff... The Dread Tailor has awakened to garner his revenge on the living. A group of stalwart heroes must arise to put an end to the Dread Tailor's deprivations or all will be lost. You get so much stuff. There's new magic items, new monsters, interactive links in the document, an entire lair full of creatures with a map for you to explore, and it's all pay what you want. It is Oddities and Odysseys, The Dread Tailor from Kerry Jordan. A direct link is available over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Check it out. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this Gamer to Gamer. You can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. And check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building at worldbuilderblog.me. Hey, if you have a question or comment about the show, feel free to hit us up over at thetomeshow.com in the show notes for this episode. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Okay, everybody, thank you for listening, and thank you to Shelly Mazinoble for being on the show. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner and to Sam Dillon. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And remember, life is a game. Eventually, you gotta roll a 20.